Well, it's really awesome to be with you this morning and to carry on our vision statement. And what I'm going to be talking to you this morning is about Wheatier Church, passionate about our local community. And um, before I start, I know we've heard it in worship, but during pre-service prayer, there was this underlying theme that there is always a seat at the king's table. And um, I've never met the queen, unfortunately. I'd really like to meet the queen. I think she's quite cool. And, but I know that to meet the queen, there is protocol that takes place. There's background checks. They want to make sure that if you're meeting the queen, you're legit. And I think that once the queen's finished with you, she kind of pushes your hand away or something like that to, as, a, as a subtle sign that she's ready to move on. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, the eternal king has no protocol. There is no background checks. There's no, are you good enough to be in my presence? Whether you come to the king with a backpack full of all that you're going through, or whether it's a suitcase, or whether you need a dumper truck out the back to lay your skip down, the seat at the table is extended to you, and it's extended to me. And that, my friends, is the king, and that could be my message done and dusted. So what I want to share with you this morning is a lot of, some of the stuff we do as a church in our community, but I think more importantly, I want to share this morning how we as individuals can inspire and encourage and impact those around us. And the title of my message this morning is, um, Let Love Be Your Energy. I'm going to expand on that a little bit more as I go into this message, but let's pray. Jesus, we lift we lift the name of the King on high. Father, we thank you that you are love, that you are good, that you are for us. And God, I thank you for every single person in this room today and in this building. God, I thank you that we are known, we are loved, we are accepted. We just love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I was preparing this message, there has been this kind of question that's been going over in my mind for the last few weeks, and it's a great question. If I was to ask you what it is that you love about Jesus, I wonder how you would answer that. Because there are so many things that I could say that I love about Jesus, and I'm sure if we were to stop and just gather and say what it is that we love about him, I'm sure we would be here for hours, and that would be cool because we'd be sharing about Jesus. You see, for me, Jesus demonstrates through Scripture how we're to love others, and the thing I love about Christianity and the message of Jesus is that it's a, on one hand, it's a a very, very simple, beautiful message, but it's not always an easy message to apply to our lives. And so I want to look at some stuff about Jesus that I think can inspire us as we go into our Mondays and love those that we do life with. So the cool thing is that I have the mic so I can tell you what I love about Jesus. And I'm going to list off a few things here. One of the things that I truly love about Jesus is I love his compassion. He was moved by need, therefore he met it. And the example that I was thinking of is when Jesus had probably spent all day with his disciples ministering and and doing all the stuff that he does. But the the crowds catch wind that Jesus is on the scene. 
And these crowds all gather and they're desperate to hear from him and be in his presence and learn from him. And the disciples say to him, Jesus, listen, we've, I'm paraphrasing here, but like, we've been doing this all day. We need, we need some time out. Let's just let's make time for these guys another day. But Jesus is moved by compassion. And despite his busyness and all that's gone on, he makes time for those people around him. He was a voice to the voiceless. And the immediate example that comes to mind is, is the lady that's, that's caught in adultery and she's got no one to defend her. And she's brought before all of these people where she's, you know, crowds are baiting and, you know, Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus. But Jesus stands in the gap. And if Jesus didn't, who would have? But Jesus stood in the gap of someone who needed to be stood for. This is one that I've been working through. I love that um, Jesus displayed incredible courage. I know that he was God, but there was this human part to him as well. And he found himself in situations where I look at them and I think, where would you even start? How would you go about having courage in that situation? And I think of the example where the, the, in Scripture where it talks about the, the demon-possessed man in Mark 5. And Jesus just comes onto the scene. And I kind of think, wow, like you're walking into something that is quite intimidating. Something that, you know, you don't know how it's going to pan out. Yet Jesus walked into this situation. And, and the reason I'm finding courage, a big thing at the moment, is I'm feeling God challenge me um, to be someone that has courageous conversations. Now, I've been talking to my wife about this for a little while. And the honest truth is, if I'm being completely honest with you, is that a lot of the time I'm a complete bottle job when it comes to having courageous conversations or confronting stuff. I kind of, everything inside of me is, um, there is just this internal panic. There's like, what if it goes wrong? What if I mess this up? What if a relationship is broken? But I'm seeing from Jesus that when Jesus confronted or when he showed courage, it worked out well. And that when he showed, when he did this sort of stuff, he was doing it from a place of love. And I think that's the thing that I'm, I'm personally walking through. Like I need, it's, Jesus is there, but he displays courage that I can take heart from. John 11 gives us two, two words. The shortest verse in the Bible, I think, is Jesus wept. And it shows to me that here is a Jesus who can relate to humanity, who can, he's never absent, but he can fully relate to everything that we walk through as humans, that he puts himself fully in the middle of pain. And the fact that he wept says to me, do you know what? It's okay to have emotion and it's okay to show it and it's okay to display it because if the saviour of the world has to let it out, then it's okay for me to let it out as well. He is never absent. Two more and it will all make sense. One of the things I love about Jesus and I think that we can implement as well is that when I read scripture, I don't often see Jesus is in a rush I think he's quite composed. I think he's quite, 
I can imagine as he walked through the crowds and he looked people in the eye and as he knew their story and as he spent time with them, he didn't miss anything. And I kind of wonder when the lady that was, that was bleeding, if Jesus was in a rush, would she have got her healing? But because Jesus was quite composed, I think quite chilled, relaxed, walking amongst the crowd, that lady was able to receive her healing. You see, anyone who studies Jesus knows that he was, he was concerned about the poor, the sick, the oppressed, the marginalized. He put himself amongst all people. He was with people because he loved people. I read a quote by Barack Obama yesterday, and I thought this is beautiful. And I think it displays, and I, think it, I think it sums up Jesus awesome. There is nothing weak about showing kindness and compassion, and there is nothing weak about looking out for others. And I think those things that I've just explained, some of the things that I love about Jesus, your list may be completely different to mine. But as I was going through that list, it was something that I was like, Jesus is, is practically showing us how we can be amongst those people that we do life with in our local community, in our workplaces. And there are things that we can model when we're with those people that we love. You see, Jesus gives us this awesome command in Matthew 28. He says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. You see, as Christians, we are not called to um, live in our isolated bubbles where we just hang out with each other. I mean, that's cool to hang out on Sunday, right, and have our cup of teas after. But that's not the message of Jesus. It's go into the world and take my love and take my goodness and let's change the world. Our vision statement as a church is this. We see a church impacting and enriching the local community. And we run a load of community projects which which are awesome, and they're cool, and I love them. But if Jesus isn't at the center of them, then all they become is just projects that are quite cool. We do them from a place of absolute love for Jesus because he loved us first. Now, I was, um, I was born in the 80s, and, but I predominantly spent the 90s. That was my growing up period. That was my kind of like teen years, and I found the 90s to be a pretty a good decade. I like the 90s. Now, I don't know how the 90s were for you, depending on your, um, what age bracket you fall in, but the 90s were just an awesome decade for me. And there's some things that I remember, like there was the, I think the, I guess you can call it a political revolution in the, at the end of the 90s when New Labour came in and stormed everything. And then, but there was all of this stuff going on um, in the sporting arena. Um, football nearly came home at Euro 96. And I remember in year nine, crying with my mates when we lost on the penalty shootout against the Germans. But I also remember the pop culture that was taking place. There was this kind of cool Britannia thing that was going on. And there was um, Oasis and there was Blur and all of these other stuff. But I was a real Oasis fan. And so I had all of their singles, all of their albums, and I would have all of their singles on repeat every single night. And... I just loved Oasis, and there was one particular song. It's a very iconic song, and it's a song called Wonderwall. And um, 
we were at Highlands Park in the summer holidays. We had life group leaders lunch. And as we were leaving, I was picking up my girls and I had them in the car. And this song came on the radio. Now, I don't know if it's been released since, but my daughters were attempting to sing it. And when I say it was horrific, <laughs> they were just getting the words wrong. And I was getting this like, nervous twitch, like, you are sacrificing or butchering the most, one of the most beautiful songs. So I turned the radio off and I said, I said, girls, let me just play this to you. And so I sang it to them. And it went good. And, and my youngest was like, Dad, you're so cool. <laughs> I was like, the old man still got it. The old boy still got it. And um, so I then turned the radio back on. And then there was this other iconic song that came on. But it wasn't. So Robbie Williams, sorry, came on. And there was this song that played, and it's a song that has stuck with me ever since I've been preparing this message, and it's not any of his iconic songs or songs that you would immediately think of, but it's a song called Let Love Be Your Energy. And as I was listening to the lyrics, I was like, this is a song that could be sung in church, because it's as if there's Robbie Williams or whoever has this revelation of God's love. And I want to share with you just, just the lyrics, because it's, if we truly understood this, if you're willing to change the world, let love be your energy. I've got more than I need when your love shines down on me. If you're willing to change the world, let love be your energy. Because I can't contain how I feel when your love shines down on me. You see, the message of Jesus, it's, it's a message of infinite hope. And if we truly, truly grasp the fact that we are loved so that we can love others, we would change the world because we know that we are loved by the King. So there's ways that we can show that to our colleagues. We can be compassionate. We can be kind. We can look out for them. We can check in on them. And I think that's all great stuff that we can do on an individual level. But I think, you know, we're a room of people here. Like, what could we do as a church? And I honestly, truly believe that when the local church works well, that it's not only the hope of the world, but it can change the world. And we are living in a, an ever-complicated world, aren't we? There is loads of stuff going on and... You know, you only have to switch on the news to see what the highlights are and to see what the main focus is at the moment. But I find absolute hope that regardless of what the world is going through, that the message of Jesus is a hopeful message that you and I can take into our places. You know, I don't have any answers to a lot of the questions that I get asked when I go into schools about Brexit or all that sort of stuff. But if we can show the love of Jesus, then I think that can have a major impact in our kids and people that we work with. But I think what we're really, what's really cool is that when there's, when we do stuff as a church into our community, we, I'm seeing more and more the power of unity and how as a church we're passionate about connecting with other churches in Chelmsford. You see, it's not about what church has the most people in on Sunday or 
what church is doing the most things in the like if we have a mindset like that then we miss the we miss it because the body of Jesus is an inclusive blood body and so we're passionate about connecting with other churches in and around this area so when we pray for a church on a Sunday morning it's because that's what we're called to do to pray and to love the church and the body of Christ and so we're passionate about when we do community projects or anything how can we connect and partner with other churches and to build the kingdom of God into Chelmsford? Unity strengthens. So over the last 13 years as a church, we have been investing into the, the community. I've been community pastor here for 13, yeah, 13 years, 13 years. And it's been an absolute privilege and it's been a journey and there's been great stuff and there's been challenges. But we're seeing the kingdom of God move and we're seeing projects that are taking place that we know are meeting need, that are showing the love of Jesus. And the cool thing is, is that we all get to play a part in delivering this. You see, the Greek word for, for church is this word called ecclesia. It's this really cool word. And it means that Called out ones. Called out. So we come to church on a Sunday, but the whole idea of this word is that you're, you're called out wherever it is that you may be. And I love that because I think we had a message from Pete a couple of weeks ago where there was this pastor in Uganda whose message or title for his book was something along the lines of um, Sunday is the garage, Monday is the church begins. You've got it. You've got it. Church begins on Monday, is that right? That's it. That is it. This is called together, as we've said. But we need to be spheres of influences in our workplaces and take this message of beauty, of Jesus, into the places that we go into. And I think what's really cool is that, if we're completely honest, like, this is what I love, is that I'm just as broken as the next person, right? We all have our, well, I think it's Corinthians. Scripture refers to us as these fragile clay jars. Yet, we get to carry this beautiful presence and take it wherever we go. And I find it amazing that the, the king would allow us that privilege. And I love how Jesus does that. So some of the stuff that's happening at church at the moment so a lot of the stuff that we do is from finding out what the need is in the city. So we'll meet regularly with the, the council, we've met with police, local government, and our question has always been, what is the, what is the need in Chelmsford? Because what we don't want to do is do stuff that we think is a, a good idea. We want to know that what we're doing actually meets clear and identified need and gives us an opportunity to build relationship and sow into the lives of, of those that, we're, that we know are on a journey. And so one of the things that the council have told us constantly is that there are a few key issues that they're, that they're trying to work through, and that's around domestic abuse, it's around loneliness, it's around mental health issues, it's around doing stuff for, for kids. And so we've taken all of this stuff and been like, well, as a church, what can we do? And we are hugely blessed as a church to have great volunteers and people that are skilled, 
to be able to take those needs and to develop long-term programs that are making a huge difference in the city. So if I may, I'd like to just share with you a few things. And I've, I've got some stats here that I, I hope will inspire and encourage you. So one of the things that we run is something called Flourish. So Flourish works in secondary schools. We've got Charlotte Clayton that does a, an amazing job with her team that go into to schools. And the heads of the years or head teachers will highlight which girls have, have the highest need and they get given to our teams and we work with them. And of the 162 girls that have been surveyed, 90% of them directly increase their self-esteem, which, which is incredible. It's an hour's course every week. It's a six-week program. And Shah and the team go in and, and they love. And they walk with these girls and we see this success rate. And it's not to give us a pat on the back and say, how good are we? It's never about that. It's about being a presence and loving these girls and for them to know they have worth and they have value. We have courage, which is similar in the, in the boys' course, and we're working with year five, year six, and year seven boys. And that as well has been like how God has been able to give us an inroad into schools and to talk about some of the stuff that we, we talk about. Schools have been very open to us, and we've got Chris Robson heading that up at the moment. And of the 24 boys that we've worked with so far, 92% have showed an increase in their self-esteem. And again, that's with all of these, these courses, we want to make sure that we're interruptible. So when we did Courage a few, I think it was about 18 months ago, it was just after some of the sh um, there was a mass shooting in America. And the kids came into the class, and um, it was quite clear that their, their minds weren't focused on whatever the course was that week. And so we opened it up to them, and we were like, guys, what do you, what, what, what's going on? And they spoke about what had happened, and they just wanted to talk about it. And the first question, so we said, look, why don't we just put it out of the window today? What do you want to talk about? How can we just have a conversation? And the first question that we were asked is, why would God allow this to happen? And so we were able to break down how God works in the midst of pain. And it was it was beautiful. And I know that we hear a lot of, um, you know, you, you can't mention God in schools and you can't talk about God in this arena. If I'm honest with you, I, we haven't encountered that. We have found schools of saying, we want you to share about what it is that you believe, why it is you believe it. And from being, allowed to, being able to do that, we have just had incredible conversations with these kids about God's goodness. We have Shine, which... Viv Shepherd does an incredible job running. And the stats that we got from Shine were that 100% of participants had an overall increase in self-esteem after the course. And Viv and her team do an incredible job at Open Road. So that's working with um, people walking through drug and alcohol issues. But yet, yeah, once a week, these women gather in a room and they laugh and they cry and they have fun. But Viv goes in with her team and they walk through this program but more than that, they, they love. And we see these women restored. Little ones on a Thursday morning, which happens here. 85 people is, is, is the average attendance each week. And of that, 80% are from the community. Which again, is this cool thing that people are being drawn to come here. But I know that Lindsay and the team, they, they love. And they show the love of Jesus. And... When I say it's a simple message, 
Like, to love your neighbor, to love well. And that is what I love about what we do as a church, is that it is all about loving those that, that come in through our doors. I was with Rachel Maddox a couple of weeks ago. We went into Boreham Primary School, where we have, um, where Rachel's written this beautiful three-week course around music. But the lessons, the, the, the lesson plans are around your own uniqueness and how God values you and God loves you. And I went into this lesson with her, and these these beautiful six, five or six-year-old girls, they walk in, and it's as if. Rachel just, just loves them, and these girls respond, and they have their workbooks, and they're filling in these workbooks where with this rainbow they're filling in or coloring in, it outlines who they are, that they are unique, that they have worth. And so Boreham School have asked us to extend the program and to work with most of their kids. So there is all of these opportunities that God has given us as a church to go into, into schools, into um, rehab units, and all we're doing is that there is nothing complicated about what we do. Nothing complicated at all. It is finding out what the need is, doing it, doing it excellently, but making sure that God is honoured and at the centre of it. Right. On the Tuesdays, we go into to Highlands, Highlands School. There's Chris Clayton, and, and we go in. And um, they're year nine boys, so if there's a few alpha males, and there's all of the stuff that year nine boys are walking through and all of that sort of stuff. And they are, we've been with them since year seven, and they are, they're beautiful boys. They are, they crack us up every week. But one of the things that we've introduced, which has been really, really awesome, is that they'll come along, and when they're playing football, we'll, we'll put worship on. So there'll be worship playing on the phone, and every now and then they'll give you a weird look of like, what am I listening to? But that whole thing of, we're taking Jesus with us wherever we go and we've seen a difference in their behavior and the way they enter the sports hall when we, when we come in. And I think to love people, you need to, you need to be in it for the long term. It can't just be, okay, you've done our project, off you go. We need to be good at loving people and walking with people long term on their journey, checking in on them. And that is a lot of what we do as a as a church into the community, embracing and impacting our lo- local community, well, we do that by, by loving. So there's this stuff that we do as a church, which is cool, but as individuals as well, like when we go into our workplace tomorrow, checking in, loving the people that we work with, even those that we might find awkward or people we might not naturally relate to. I bet with everything I own, that Jesus would be going straight for those people. So let's be those people. I came across this poem um, a little while back, and it's a beautiful, beautiful poem that I think sums it all up, and I'd like to share it with you very quickly. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. 
No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. But this is what we are about. We plant a seed that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide the yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. And this is the cool bit. We cannot do everything. And there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. But that enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning. A step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and his worker. We are workers, we're not the master builder. We are ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. And I find that takes so much pressure off us. Listen, if we can be the water on the seeds, if we can be the people that sow the seeds, whatever it is, that's cool. And we may not never see the big oak tree, but that's God's business. But what we can do is we can love those around us, cherish those around us, work together in unity as a church with other churches in the city. But we can change the world, my friends. And that is my message. Why don't we pray? Jesus, we lift your name on high this morning. We thank you that we can take you wherever we go. And God, as we shared, like, thank you for stuff that's taking place within the, the church and all that sort of stuff, which we give you the honor and the glory for. But God, I pray for us as we, as we head into our Mondays. God, may we be salt and light. God, I pray that we would be... Um, the people that would just go and sit beside those that, I don't know, that need you. God, may we look out for those that are hurting, that are lost. God, I pray that we would show your love and we would do it well. Jesus, you're worthy of all of our praise. We thank you for who you are and we give glory to you in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.